Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. It's hard to believe that we're already in the month of May. It's like, where's the time gone this year so far? And I hope that everyone listening has been moving the ball and making progress towards those goals that you have for 2021. Because this podcast is really focused on helping to give you strategies, tools, advice, and tips on things that you can put into practice to help you achieve your goals and more. And one other thing, if you haven't already done so, Check it out in the show notes. There's a goal setting guide to help you stay focused on those goals that you do have for yourself this year. So be sure to download that and go through it. And hopefully it's going to keep you focused. All right. So let's get into today's show. Inside the huddle with us today is a special guest here with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Desmond Clark. Des is a former American football tight end who played in the NFL for 12 years. He was drafted by the Denver Broncos in the sixth round of the 1999 NFL draft and also played for the Miami Dolphins and, of course, the Chicago Bears. Des, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, Jen. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us today. I mean, you and I recently did a Chicago Bears pre-draft show with your former teammate, Alex Brown, and also Chicago media personality, Mark Carmen. And that was a lot of fun talking about what the Bears' needs were, what our draft choices would be, and just talking about some football. Talk to us about now that the draft is over, what did you think of the draft? Well, I know why you want to talk about the draft, because... <laughs> You nailed it from the very beginning while we were talking about offensive linemen and receivers and cornerbacks and all of these other positions. You said it. You said that, hey, they need to cover the quarterback position. And they did it. They moved up. I was laying in the bed and I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to make it to pick number 20. And then I heard as I was dozing off, the Chicago Bears have traded up. And I said, if they traded up, they have to be going after a quarterback. And they did. They went after Justin Fields. And I believe that was a great pick because you got you have a guy with, I mean, so much talent. Before the draft coming into the 2020 season, he was right there as 1A. I don't know why he fell. We'll probably never know why. But he is one of the more talented quarterbacks, if not the second uh, best talented quarterback that was in the draft, according to a lot of people. So I'm happy with the draft. And as I was saying, the offensive tackle position had to be covered, and they they covered that with the second pick, what is the second round pick. So I'm pleased. Yeah, I mean, I was happy with what the Bears did with the draft as well. I mean, they traded up to get Justin Fields, which was a great move for them. I mean, he's definitely a talented young man. And so it'll be interesting to see how things shape up this coming season with Andy Dalton, as well as Justin, and what they end up doing with that quarterback position. So I was very pleased with the different moves that the team made throughout the draft. And we'll see what they do in the upcoming season. Yeah, I hope it all works out. I mean... We've had enough suffering over the last, what, five? Well, we did have one playoff, but we expected to go further in that in that playoff run when we were 12 and four. So we suffered long enough. Let's make a deep run. 
Yes, yes, I agree. And it's tough to be a Bears fan at times, but we're loyal. And so we're hoping for good things this next season for sure. So what I want to do to really get into our conversation today is let's start off by talking about you and how you got into football. Talk to us about that journey. When did you start? When was the first time you suited up and picked up a football? Organized football. I started at the age of six and that was ages ago. I'm getting kind of old, Jen, but we had on full pads back then at the age of six years old. And I played every year until the age of 34. I played 28 straight years of football through Little League, going through middle school, high school, college, and then obviously in the pros also. But how I got started, I believe it was my mom and dad. They wanted us to participate in something. And I was a rough little kid along with my brothers. And, you know, when it was time for me to go and get into it, we signed up. And first team was the Lakeland Lumberjacks. Still remember it like it was yesterday, black and gold. My first year playing running back. And I played running back or quarterback all the way up until middle school. And then um, funny story there that I actually wrote about in my book where they wanted me to play center. And Jan, you know, playing running back and quarterback, all you like, you develop a little ego. And um, I told him I wasn't going to do it and I, I quit. But the coach came and chased me down in his car and told me to get back in the car and told me that he wasn't going to let me quit. That year, I won the best offense alignment award for the offensive line. But after that, I went back to playing quarterback in high school, played receiver in college, and then got drafted as a tight end. So I had a little journey all on the offensive side of the ball, but it helped me understand the game. So I think once I got to the NFL, I was probably a little bit more prepared, knowing more about the game than maybe some other people because of all the positions that I played. Sure. And a couple of questions come to mind. First question is, what was it about football that made you fall in love with it when you were a kid? Oh, man. It definitely wasn't the hitting because I didn't like getting hit. I think it was more so just the competition. I used to love competing, and I still do. I love to compete. And this is just a natural way of competing. And then you have your teammates, and they become your best friends. And and now you're competing with your teammates against the other hated rival team and the people that you don't like on the other side of the ball. I think it more so revolved around the competition and, and that building of friendships and teammates more than anything else. And I think just in sports in general, all the sports that I played, that was a common thread. Sure. And one thing you mentioned just a second ago was you played different positions throughout your football career, which requires you to be flexible, to adapt in different ways. And so talk to us about just how being someone that has been able to adapt quickly to different situations has helped you to be successful throughout football and in life in general. Yeah, I think if you use that analogy of playing sports and playing football in particular and being able to see the world or the field from different angles and from different perspectives, it just makes you an all-around better player and better human. If your scope is real narrow, you're going to be like a narrow, and not in a bad way, you're just going to be, you're just going to have a narrow perspective. But when you can do different things, read different things, learn from different people, discover different positions, and like I said, different angles of seeing, seeing the game and seeing, seeing life, you know, now when you get put into positions where you have to athletically perform or think your way out of something, you have a bigger platform, you have a bigger foundation to pull from than if you were just, you know, you play receiver all your life or all your life, all you did was 
technology instead of doing, you know, a lot of different things throughout your life. So I just think it gives you a, a wider lens to view the world from from an athletic standpoint and just from a, a life standpoint. Sure. And you bring up a good point because, you know, while we're not on the football field, many of us now in the game of life and in our career, we're going to be asked sometimes to play different positions. And that's going to force us to adapt and expand our skill set and maybe push us into some uncomfortable spaces. But when you take on those challenges, you do gain those other perspectives. And I mean, just for me, in my career, I did a lot of different things in the corporate world. And as you know, I have seven degrees. So I went to school for a long time. And people would always ask like, well, did you not know what you wanted to do? And what I always told them was that, well, no, I did. But by doing all of these different things, it gives me another perspective that other people don't have so that my contribution to teams are different because I have more rounded of an experience set where I can think about things differently or see things differently than other people. Absolutely. And I think that that's huge to have those different exposures. I feel like the more exposures you have in life, just the better overall human you can be, the the better chance you have at life. I often tell the story of, you know, me growing up in Florida and not really having traveled to too many places. We did have some relatives up in Alabama that we used to go and travel to. But my junior year of high school, in between my junior and senior year, was my first time really leaving out of the state. And we went to New York, New Jersey to play in this basketball camp. And while we were there, we took this trip to go stand on top of the World Trade Centers. And I'm talking about on top of them in the open air. And having that that exposure to look out over New York City, being a, you know, a small town kid from Lakeland, Florida, it gave me so much more, uh, such a different perspective, but it opened up my eyes so much more to the opportunity that I had in front of me. It wasn't that limited scope that I seen here in Lakeland. It was big New York City. And it seemed like I could see the entire world from the Empire State Building. And that exposure, it opened me up so much more to allow me to think bigger and think wider than I had ever thought before. Absolutely. So what I wanted to talk to you about in today's show, too, is I wanted to come back to you playing college football. I mean, you had a great college career, two-time second team, all-ACC selection, two-time MVP, finished your college career as the ACC all-time leading receiver with 216 receptions for 2,834 yards on 20 touchdowns. That's important too. Talk to us about as you were, you've adapted going through high school, playing football into college, and you've had a great college career. Can you talk to us about some of the lessons that you learned that have really attributed to your success? Yeah. Reading off those stats, I'm thinking, whoever she's talking about had to be pretty good in college. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, for me, coming out of high school, I wasn't a big time, you know, five star recruit or anything like that. I think I was a three star recruit. So having to continue to work to get better, never really feeling like I was complete. I always felt like I had to get better. And I'm glad that I I always felt like that because that kept me hungry and kept me wanting to work. And I feel like that's what helped me get from high school to excel in college and then from college to getting drafted in the pros in the sixth round and then being able to excel, being a sixth round draft pick that never played tight end before. It was just always that, that mindset that I had that 
oh my God, I got to get better because I'm looking around the field and I'm looking across the nation and these guys are good. I don't know if I'm that good. And having that mindset just kept me working and um, it paid off for me. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times the most talented guy is not always going to be the guy that excels. But if you could combine talent with hard work, now you have yourself something. But I truly believe that hard work, it can get you there if you have just a little bit of talent. Sure. And we've seen that in sports and in life, people that might not necessarily be the most talented, but their work ethic is second to none. And they're willing to put the work in that they need to, to get to where they want to go. Those are the ones that really go far because talent alone is only going to get you to a certain point. It's really that work ethic that's going to carry you forward even more so. Absolutely. So you mentioned getting drafted in the sixth round, the 1989 draft, you switched over to tight end. And something else that you mentioned earlier was that you liked about football was the teammates that you had. And so when you went to the Broncos organization, you had some great tight ends there with you, Shannon Sharp, Byron Chamberlain. I guess talk to us about playing with those guys, the team work that you had and how they helped you to excel. Well, first of all, when I got there, I was intimidated um, because they had just come off winning two Super Bowls. And if you recall in that second Super Bowl, Shannon Sharp got hurt. And it was Dwayne Carswell and it was Byron Chamberlain that stepped up and made plays for that team so they could win that second Super Bowl. And me not ever playing that position of tight end, going in and looking at Shannon Sharp, looking at how he looks, and then you know he, you know, he's very, very confident and he lets everybody know it. And then standing beside Dwayne Carswell, who they call house, like, yeah. I'm not a house. I'm an apartment compared to this dude. And then Byron Chamberlain, he was he was the next one. That's what they had already tagged him with. He was the next one to take over after Shannon Sharp. But me being intimidated through that first training camp and then finally making the team, those guys couldn't have done more for me in my confidence and accepted me as one of their teammates as they did. And I'm glad that I was with that group of three tight ends and I was the fourth because they set the expectations for me on what it's like to have and be in a tight end room, what the culture should be like, how we should interact with each other, how we should take the field, how we should look out for each other, how we should pull for each other. Yeah, we're competing, but we're also teammates. And I think for those first two or three years, spending with all three of those guys, kind of set me up for success as I grew into the NFL and became a leader. And I took that same style that they showed me those first two or three years. And I led the same way once I became a leader in my own tight end room. And share with us some of the pieces of advice or things that they might have shared with you that have always stuck with you. First of all, they taught me how to deal with coaches because <laughs> we had a coach that, man, he used to just ride me. And they just taught me how to work and focus on me and let the coaches be the coach. Like they're going to do what they're going to say. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to say what they're going to say. You still got to go out and perform. I know with Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp probably taught me the best blocking technique for a small tight end that I used throughout my career. We just do a little arm hook on bigger um, defensive ends. And that served me <laughs> until I retired because whenever I had a big defensive end, I used that move. But yeah, I think those two things on the field and off the field, how to just focus in on, on where I needed to be focused and instead of letting the coach get me rattled 
And then that little blocking technique that Shannon Sharp taught me my first year, those two things served me well throughout my 12 years in, in the NFL. And 12 years in the NFL, I mean, that's a big accomplishment, especially when we look at the stats today. It's around like the average NFL career is two years. Now it used to be 3.2 and it's going down and it's continuing to get shorter. So, I mean, kudos to you. I mean, you had a great career. I guess what advice would you give to young men? We just talked about the draft earlier. They're getting ready to go into the league. What advice would you give to those young men as they're looking to begin their journey in the NFL? Don't look too far down the road. I had a conversation with some folks here in my hometown about the state of football here and how the young athletes, they're looking so far down the road in high school. They're thinking about being in the pros. And when you're a rookie, you know, in the NFL, just be the best that you can be for OTAs. Just focus on OTAs. And once you get past OTAs, just focus on training camp. And don't look too far down the road because I believe once you lose focus at the job at hand right now, that's when you set yourself up for failure. For me, it was always that. It was always about how can I be the best quarterback in Lakeland, Florida in high school? And then once I got to college, it was how can I be the best receiver at my position? And then how can I be the best receiver on the team. And then after that, it was how can I be the best receiver in the ACC? So I always had those immediate things right in front of me so I could keep focus. And that's what I'll tell young guys that's coming in. Just focus on the things that's right in front of you and and take care of those things. And if you take care of those things that's right in front of you, you're going to look up and it's going to be eight, nine, 10 years down the road. And you're going to be like, damn, um, I'm an old man in the NFL now. That's a great piece of advice. And as I'm listening to you, what I'm thinking about too, it's about being fully present in the moments and focused in the moments that are in front of you instead of, like you said, thinking too far down the road. And that's whether you're playing football or doing anything else in life and business is it's focus on the things that you're supposed to do in the here and now and don't get so caught up into what's coming down the road or what could be coming down the road right? as well. Stuff that you have no control over. And playing professional football, it's a high pressure business. And when you start thinking about so many other things and more than what you have to do right now, what you have to do today, what you have to do this week, that's when, man, you got so much coming at you. You don't have that much bandwidth to start thinking about other things. And when you do, you're naturally going to start pressing, making mistakes. And that's what you can't do in the NFL. You know, you can make a mistake once. Okay, we'll give you that. You make it twice. You make it three times. You may be gone after that. It's a consistent theme that I've had guests on the show talking about how, you know, you always have to perform because there's somebody else that's waiting for your job, right? There's someone else that's competing that's going to take it if you don't perform and you make those mistakes. Absolutely. So let's talk about you transitioning out of the NFL and into what you're doing today. Talk to us about what that transition was like for you. Well, it wasn't a natural transition. For me, it took a little while to figure out what I wanted to do. 2011 is when I retired. And I took the balance of the year off. And then really in 2012 is when I started trying to figure out, all right, what is it that I'm going to do? And I had my real estate license. So that's the first thing that I went into. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then I was approached by a guy who had a small medical device distributorship. And I went into business with him six months. I knew I wasn't with the right person. And then I went back into something that I had dipped my toe into when I was playing football, the financial advising world. 
And that's where I really started to kind of turn the page and um, write another chapter of my life. And I became a financial advisor, Series 7 and 66, worked with a small firm in Skokie, and then I went on to, to Mass Mutual. And today I still have my Series 7 and 66 license and also um, a owner, a co-owner in a um, small boutique insurance agency. But throughout all of that time, I've always been a speaker, but it was sort of like a side job, a side hustle for me. Up until a few years ago, when, you know, I'm still searching, still trying to figure out what it is that I do best. And I asked myself the question, like, what am I most thankful for? And then what did I gain from that? And then how can I give it back? Because I believe that's how you choose the purpose that you're here for. And I thought about all of those people that helped me get to where I'm at today when we didn't have much as a kid and and young family. And I said, I can give all of this back by helping people reach their highest goals and achievements through what I do as a speaker. And really, it was at that point that it started transitioning from being like a side job, a side hustle, to no, this is truly a purpose that I can give back to people and I have a passion for it and I do it well. And then I wrote the book and then I, you know, started to build my platform. And that was where it really transitioned to now. Every day I get up, I love what I do. I have a purpose for it. I have a plan for it. And it's been good since then, but that's only in the last few years. And talk to us about, so you, you mentioned your book earlier, Principles in Winning and Leadership or Principles of Winning and Leadership. Talk to us a little bit more about what do you write in there? What are some of the little nuggets that you can share with us that you talk about and that you include in the book? Yeah, so my formula for speaking and writing the book is I'm not coming from a scholastic point of view. I'm coming from an experiential point of view. So everything that I talk about is my unique experience or experience that I had with someone else or share it with someone else or someone else share it with me. So I talk from that standpoint. So I tell a lot of stories about my personal life in the book and the lessons that came with them. And now how can you use those things that I've learned over time that's been shared with me over time to also make yourself better. I feel like we learn and grow as humans through two sources, new information and a new perspective on old information. And once I've kind of had that light bulb go off, that's what I wanted to present to people as much as I possibly can. So within my book, I talk a lot about my story and then the things that I learned. Like number one, the first principle starts where all you have is your name and your word. And that's really who you are, the essence of you. And if you want to break it down in a business standpoint, that's your brand. Who are you? What are you telling people who you are? How are you putting that out to the world so that people see you as as you want them to see you? So it's things like that that I feel builds the foundation or lays the foundation for you to build whatever you want to build on top of that. So that's what I, because I just go back to what I did and how it happened for me and say, okay, this is the advice that I was given. This is what I took advantage of. This is where I made mistakes. How can I write that in a way that it helps people take advantage of the same things I took advantage of and dodge the mistakes that I made? 
Oh, I love that. And tell people, how can they learn more about your speaking if they want to book you? Tell us your website and also where can they purchase your book? Yeah, the book could be purchased on Amazon where everything in the world could be purchased at. (laughs) And the title of it is Principles of Winning, Five Keys to Create a Standard of Excellence. And then if you would like to book me, I I would love to come and speak to you and your group and inspire you guys and motivate you guys to create a standard of excellence for yourself. And you can go to www. Des Clark Speaks, and that's D-E-Z Clark Speaks.com for all the information that you need. And we'll be sure to have the Amazon link as well as your website, Des Clark Speaks, in the show notes so people can check you out and book Des as a speaker. And something else that you do, Des, is you do a lot of live broadcasts as well. Tell us about, I know you're on LinkedIn Live. Tell us about what you do, when you do them, so people can check you out there too. Yeah. So the Monday Motivations is, that's every Monday at 1030 Eastern on LinkedIn. And that's just, hey man, it's, it's the beginning of the week. We got to go and attack the week. You don't go into a game without motivation. You go into a game pumped up, ready to go. And I feel like that's how you have to go into every single week of work. So that's why we do Motivated Mondays, just to get everybody going, give them some positivity and a few things maybe to think about as they go through their week. So that's what we do every Monday. So check that out on LinkedIn, on my uh, Facebook fan page, and also on my YouTube page. Perfect. And we'll have your LinkedIn URL as well as all your other links in the show notes too. So people can check you out and get motivated on Mondays as well. Yeah, that's where you need to come to if you really want to understand who I am, what I'm about and how I present myself in my messages, because that's that fun little 10 to 12 minute hit where you're going to get a full 100% dose of Desmond Clark and the energy that I bring to the table. There you go. And you do know how to bring it. So I'd highly encourage people to check out your live sessions on Mondays. So Des, what I want to do now is to close the show. I want to take you through my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Awesome. So the first question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? I actually wanted to be a teacher. I thought teaching was cool. Any particular subject? Math. Oh, that's a good subject. One of my favorites. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? I thought about this one and I said my son. Nice. That's a good choice. My life will be portrayed more so early on than in my adult life because that was the interesting part. Got it. Okay. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, man. So uh, I have two. The Dominican Republic as a whole. That's where I go to just air out and clear my head. And then um, Mexico, I love all parts of Mexico when I really want to go and let my hair down and probably do too much drinking. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, we got to go with the butter pecan. Hands down. That's a good choice. Next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? Oh, just being on time and people respecting your time. I'm okay if you're late, but call me and let me know that you're going to be late because I'm always do that for you. I just believe that people's time is precious. You can't get it back. So always respect it. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a call yesterday with a client or new client and I was running just a couple minutes late. I texted him. I was like, Hey, I'll call you in just a few. And one of the things he said when we first got on the call was thank you so much for respecting my time and letting me know that you were going to be a couple minutes late. Cause I mean, things happen. People run late sometimes, but you got to let the person know. Don't just leave them hanging. And it's always cool when things like that happen. I, you know, it happens, but just don't leave me hanging for 20 minutes. I'm wondering what's going on that you pop up. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Well, 
do. Like you could have told me that 15 minutes ago. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. My next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I am currently reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I should have read this years ago, but I finally started reading it. Yeah, that's an older book, but it's definitely a good one. Yeah. I mean, I read The Obstacle is the Way, Stillness is the Key, all by Ryan Holiday. My next book is the trilogy from Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy. I'm big on stoicism. I believe that's kind of how I think and and try to live my life. So that's the next book up, Ego is the Enemy. I've not heard of that one. I'll have to check that one out. All right. My last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people. Who would you choose and why? Well, first I'm going to choose Jesus because I think he will be able to tell me some things that I need to know. I think Jesus would probably be more cool than what he's given credit for because I just feel like they paint him as this very kind of boring guy. But anybody who could change water into wine and tell you to enjoy it has to be interesting. Absolutely. And then I want to talk with Martin Luther King and just understand his passion for what he did. Because any man that's willing to die for something, they have a deep passion for it. And he was willing to die for that cause. And the third person, I would love to bring my mom back and have dinner with her one last time just to say thank you. Oh, that's a great uh, thing to want to do. I would love to. My dad passed away, as many of my listeners know, a few years back. So if I could have the opportunity to do that, I would also do that as well. Yeah, she she was a special person. And she raised four boys and, you know, she did it mostly on her own and she did a great job. So I don't know how she did it with all that we went through, but she got it done. Yeah, moms are amazing. Shout out to all the moms out yeah. there. They definitely do do a lot. So does as we look to close our show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I'll just hit everybody with a quick little motivational piece because that's just who I am as a person. When, when I think about success and when I think about successful people, I look at it probably a little different than others. Others look at successful people and think, man, they just do everything the right way. And, you know, they, they have a different mindset. And just they're different. But there's a fine line between being successful and not being successful. And I believe those successful people, when that minute comes of having to make a decision to do what's necessary or to just stand pat, the successful people in that minute decide to get up and go do what's necessary. And for example, in the mornings when you don't feel like getting up and going to the gym, the successful person is going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get up and put on these shorts and I'm going to make it to the gym. And that's the hard part. The hard part is not working out. The hard part is actually getting up, putting on the shorts and going to the gym. Because once you get there, you're going to work. So don't forget that. In that minute when you're making that decision, go ahead and put on the shorts and go ahead and get to the spot that you need to get to to do the work. And then you'll do the work. There's always that minute that separates the successful from the unsuccessful. Oh, I love that. That's great. Love the motivation and a great way to end the show. Lastly, where can people, we've talked about your website. We're going to have your LinkedIn in the show notes. Any other social channels that you want to mention that people can follow you? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at DezClark88, D-E-Z-C-L-A-R-K-88. The same thing on Twitter. We talked about LinkedIn. They can follow me on Facebook. Both of my pages are Desmond Clark. 
I believe. No, one is Desmond Clark and one is Desmond Clark 88. Okay, perfect. And we'll have those in the show notes as well. Des, thanks so much for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. Absolutely love it. And, and you know, anytime you have some space, I love to come back on. Well, we would love to have you again. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.